Your Bibles to Psalm 107. Psalm 107. And this, this is the holiday season that we're, we are in. We, are, we find ourselves celebrating Thanksgiving and Christmas and the New Year's are all coming up and the next one in line is Thanksgiving. And this week we have a day that we typically set aside and we, um, we observe and we think about all the things that we have been given, the things that we um, get to enjoy and we give thanks for those things. And they could be numerous, as numerous as the people that are in here. Many of you were able to, uh, uh, to articulate a few of those things for which you are thankful this morning. And uh, Andreas, if I, am I coming through these monitors? Can you pull me completely out of the monitors? Yes. Thank you. That's, that's better for me. I don't have to listen to me. You do. <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> so as you turn to the uh, the book of Psalms and Psalm 107 in particular, yes, these are these are songs that were written to be put to music, and and if you'll find it here, you notice, and if you kind of read through it, you find that verses four through nine is a verse, and verses ten through sixteen is another verse, and verses seventeen through twenty-two is another verse, and then twenty-three through thirty-two is another verse. So we've got your typical four four verses here to this Psalms, and you know, as a Baptist and being a worship pastor for many years, I find it very. I'm challenging myself. I'm actually going to do more than the first, second, and last stanza. You know, for this, uh, y'all, y'all get that, right? Okay, so I'm going to try to get all four of these and not leave the third one out. Um, and I'm going to fight against that urge to, uh, to go past that one. But however, the, um, the theme about this is, is that we see in verses 1 through 3, it kind of sets the tone for the entire psalm. If you will follow along with me, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gathered out of the lands from the east, from the west, and from the north, and from the south. In this psalm, the the writer is speaking to the redeemed. And the redeemed are being called to give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and his mercy. So taking that theme throughout and this idea of thanking God for his goodness and his mercy as we start to go through these scriptures... Uh, we'll find that that is truly the theme and the reasons why we should be thankful to God because He is good and He is merciful. Now, who can say, give thanks to God? Who can understand and know that God is good and that God is merciful? Who has the best understanding of this? The redeemed, right? The answer is right there in verse 2. The redeemed can understand God's goodness, because they've experienced God's mercy and His goodness through the salvation that He has offered through His Son, Jesus Christ. The redeemed are those, those who have seen themselves for who they are in the light of who Christ truly is. And we have an understanding that we stood before God guilty and we needed a Savior and God loved us so much that He, he provided that sacrifice that was needed. Jesus Himself willingly took the sacrifice really took the punishment, the wrath of God upon himself and tasted death and the debt of sin for all 
kind that whosoever would call upon his name and repent of their sins and trust in the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross would be saved. And we have experienced God's mercy through his grace and through the work that his son did on the cross. Oh, give God thanks for God is good and he is merciful. And we as the redeemed should say so. Would you agree? Absolutely. He says, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed say so. The redeemed are those who have fully trusted in Christ. And the redeemed, is, there is no limits on who can come to Christ. All of those who, um, who are willing to repent and stand before God and, and admit their sin and trust in the Savior can be redeemed. And in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 11, Jesus echoes this. And he says, I say unto you that many will come from the east and the west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Now, as we move forward in this psalm, in Psalm 107, what we can see here is that the psalmist seeks to motivate the reader, to motivate the redeemed, to give thanks by demonstrating that the Lord is good and that He is merciful. So he doesn't just blatantly just come out and say that God is good and that God's mercy endures forever, but he goes on to demonstrate how God is good and how He is merciful. He has delivered His people out of the wilderness. We will see that He has broken the bonds of prisoners, that He has stopped suffering from illness even due to personal sin. He, he even shows sailors his power at sea and how his power, and that, that he does have power over both nature and human affairs. A lot of times during this time of thanksgiving, you know, we tend to start returning things to God, but most of the time it starts with the material things that we have and that we possess, um, you know, as people. Now, there, there is no question that, you know, the, even the material things that we have, the clothes that we have on our back and the food that we can eat, are, are material things that I believe that we should return thanks to God for because, in fact, that it all belongs to Him anyway. Everything that we have, you know, comes from His creation, which He has placed us in to live and to enjoy. But it's not, but in this, um, but in this psalm, you will find a short, a short um, uh, uh, passage in here that actually speaks about the material blessings of God, and you'll find that in verses 33 through 38. How, how, the, how the material blessings in the land and how, how he can bring great crops and, and bring water and food into, um, uh, and, and give them to his people. Those are wonderful blessings. But the majority of what the psalmist is, is pointing to here is that um, is the, the primary reason that we have for giving thanks in this psalm is simply through redemption. It is through restoration, through repentance, and God's presence uh, with us whenever we decide to humble ourselves to Him in times of trouble. Looking at this, looking at this um, the entirety of this psalm, you can sum up what we should be thankful for in one word, and that's deliverance. Even as God's people, even as His children, even as the redeemed, God continues to be merciful to us and to extend grace to us and to restore the fellowship with us when we, His children, humble ourselves before Him. Now, each time you'll see in each four demonstration or each verse of this psalm, that you'll, you'll see the psalmist, he'll illustrate a situation or a time of trouble, and then 
Um, and then he, will, then he will put in where God's people will cry out to him. In verse 6, you'll see, you'll see this. It says, Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. And then again, it is repeated in verse 13. You'll see it's the exact same wording. In verse 19, same thing, as well as verse 28. And then it's also followed up that we should return thanks for God doing that and delivering and bringing salvation. In verse 8, you'll see where it's mentioned there, oh, that the men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. And then it again is repeated in verse 15, verse 21, and in verse 31. So you'll find a pattern here. The psalmist, he will, he will demonstrate the situation in which um, is troublesome, then he will show that God's people cried out, and then God that delivers them, and he shows that how he did that, and then it says that we should return thanks, and also specific ways that we should return thanks in each four of these verses. So as we go through there, we will find out that God is good, and God is merciful. I want you all to repeat this after me. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. All right, we're going to continue that, um, that idea as we move forward. So the first thing I want us to see is that we should, that God is good. He demonstrates His mercy. He demonstrates His goodness in that He delivers the wanderers from the wilderness. At least He should. Let's see. Can you give me the next slide there, Andres? Um, the battery may be dead in this. All right. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he delivers the wanderer from the wilderness. We see in verse 4, it says, They wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted. But they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. And he led them forth by the right way, that they might go into the city for a dwelling place. You know, many people are found to be wandering in this world. Seems to be aimlessly, even as a child of God, may find yourself in a place where you feel like you're just spinning your wheels and you don't really have a purpose and everything that you tend to try to do just seems to fall flat, but, but we've, maybe we've even turned to the world for worldly advice and trying to see what, um, what it is that we should be doing. We have people who are confused. We have people who are struggling to find their way in this world. We live in a world where people are called to identify themselves by their, by their feelings and in their desires. But that's not what God has for us. He delivers the wanderer from the wilderness. Those who are confused can come to Christ and find proper direction. Those who feel like they're spinning their wheels need to go to the Father who can, give, who can tell them what their purpose is, not give them a purpose, but let them know that they are created for a purpose. If we want to know what our purpose is in this world, we need to go to the one who created us for that purpose, and we turn to God in doing so. And we find ourselves, as, even as a child of God, in verse 4, it says, they wandered in the wilderness. Who is they? Who are we talking about here? Who is this? According to the context of the psalm, it's the redeemed, right? It's the redeemed. It says 
It says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so whom he has redeemed from the hand of his enemy. And he's gathered all of them. They wandered in wilderness and in a desolate way, and they found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted. You know, we find many people in this world, they're hungry and thirsty. And they're hungry and thirsty, and they're looking for things to fill them, to, to, um, to make them feel satisfied and to be filled and they're going to the world to do those things, finding there is absolutely no satisfaction in what the world has to offer. And they will not find lasting satisfaction and full true joy until they come to verse 6. Then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them out of their distresses. When you turn to Christ, your life has complete and total new meaning here. You have, you have, you have a new life under a new master, you come to Christ and you follow him and you, whenever you take up his way, in verse 7 it says, and he led them forth by the right way. Now there is a right way and a wrong way to live. If there is a right way, then any other way that contradicts that way is what? Wrong, right? The only way that we know that what the right way is is we turn to our creator. We turn to him and we allow him to lead us. Whenever we cry out to the Lord in our trouble, He will deliver us from our distresses and that He will lead forth by the right way that He may bring us to a city for a dwelling place. If you want to come home, you want that dwelling place of peace, turn to the Father. And whenever we do that, we see in verse 8, it says, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for His goodness and for the wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. So we find ourselves to be longing to be fulfilled. Look no further. Cry out to God in your trouble and he will deliver you. God is good and his mercy endures forever. Repeat after me. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his mercy endures forever. Amen. All right, next what we find is in, uh, starting in verse 10. If we'll go give me the next slide on verse 10. And in verse 10, what we find here is that he delivers the backslidden from bondage. He will deliver the backslidden from bondage. In verse 10, it says, Those who sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, bound in affliction and iron. Okay, obviously this is a prison this is in bondage that these people are in. Why are they in such a place? Verse 11, because they did what? Rebelled against the words of God and despised the counsel of the Most High. Therefore, he brought down their heart with labor. Who brought them down? God brought them down. He brought them down, their heart with labor. They fell down, and there was none to help. Something we need to understand, the situation that we find ourselves in, this is, this is suggested that this is in reference to King Zedekiah and the nobles of Judah in exile in Babylon. Because of their rebellion against God because of their disregard of God and despising the counsel of the Most High, God Himself brought them or allowed them to go into captivity into Babylon. 
because they rebelled against God and despised the counsel of the Most High. Therefore, He brought down their heart. They are, in, they, are, they are in bondage simply due to the judgment of God upon them for their willful acts of rebellion. Whenever we, whenever we um, get caught up in sinful behavior, if you are one of God's, if you belong to Him, according to the New Testament teaching, that He will chastise those whom He loves. He will not leave you alone in this. He will, he will discipline you in such a way that in, in order to get you to turn back to Him and repent in order to be restored back to that relationship that He desires to have with you. That's exactly what we see here is that sinful behavior, rebellion, and despising the counsel of God can bring about the very judgment of God on God's people for the hopes of restoration if they will turn back and cry out to Him. I also want you to understand, whenever God is the one bringing the judgment, what does it say here in verse 12, the last part? They fell down and there was what? None to help. If, it, if it's God's hand of judgment upon us, there's only a couple of possibilities that can cause that hand of judgment to be removed. Either a stronger hand can come and remove God's hand, which we know that's an impossibility. Why? Because He is the most high there is no stronger power above God. So you're not going to look to force God's hand out. You can't push God's hand away. Only God himself can remove his hand of judgment upon you if we find ourselves in rebellion against God and we see that we are facing chastisement from God to bring us back. Or there's another case. We can do what we find in verse 13. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. See, God has a purpose for chastising his children. Whenever we find ourselves in sinful rebellion against God, and we start to feel the heat and the consequences of, of God's chastisement upon us, it is to bring us to a point saying, look, this is not good for me. How many of you were, were ever disciplined as a child? And you chose not to continue doing that behavior because it brought about discipline. Okay, that's exactly what God was doing here with the children of Israel in that, in that he, was, um, and he was allowing this to take place in order that they would turn to him and cry out to him in their trouble. And when they would do that and recognize their sinful ways, it says that he saved them out of their distresses. In verse 14, he brought them out of the darkness of the shadow of death and broke their chains in pieces. Is God good? Yeah. Is God merciful? Absolutely. Because God would have been completely and totally justified. At the moment that they began to rebel and to ignore his counsel, he could have wiped them completely off the face of the earth justifiably. God is merciful in his chastisement. He is merciful in his judgment. He is merciful in that he is giving us an opportunity to turn and repent and be restored back to a right relationship with him. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. For he is good and his mercy endures forever. God is good. He has broken the gates of the bronze and he has cut the bars of iron in two. He delivers the backslidden 
from bondage. The next what we see in verse 17, go ahead and go to the next slide, is that he delivers the diseased from death. In verse 17, we see it says fools. Who is he calling a fool here? In the context, he's speaking to who? The redeemed, right? Fools, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities, were afflicted. Their soul abhorred all manner of food. They, their soul hated and loathed all manner of good food. And they drew near to the gates of death. It says, these fools were afflicted, but why were they afflicted? Verses 17, because of their transgressions and because of their iniquities. Their sinful behavior brought about a natural consequence. You know, there are many different sinful behaviors that bring about a natural consequence. So not only will rebellion bring about the hand of judgment from God upon his people in order to correct them, but sin also can bring about the removal of God's protection from you. There are, there are sinful behaviors and sinful actions that we can participate in that will bring about a natural negative consequence. That's just the way the world works. If we're like this young lady here whose picture is on the left, actually this is the same picture. What would you assume about this lady by looking at her? Drug problem, right? Right. The sinful behavior that was demonstrated by this young lady put her into this condition. Would you say it's a positive or a negative consequence? It's a negative consequence. And sinful behavior can bring about negative consequences in our lives. So not, not only, you can, you, can, you can ultimately say that, yes, this is part of God's judgment upon mankind because of sin entering into the world, absolutely. But you can also understand that sin, just by design, will bring about negative consequences. And we see that drug use can ultimately lead to death. There's other things like sexual immorality can lead to all types of problems and all different types of sexual immorality can bring about the spread of STDs. If everyone practiced, um, practiced one woman with one man and one marriage for a lifetime, virtually sexually transmitted disease would be completely gone in one generation. The reason it continues is because of sexual immorality and that causes the spread of these, these diseases. Also some other sinful behavior, being poor stewards of what God has has given you. A lot of people have experienced that being a poor steward of what God has given you has led them into poverty, which is a negative consequence. Now, not everyone who is in poverty is, um, is, is a poor steward of what God has given them, but in many cases, people have been poor stewards. We see people win the lottery, win millions, and find, find them two years later broke and in poverty. Very, very bad decision. It's probably a bad decision to gamble anyway, but that's not my point. But also, also even laziness is one of those things that brings about negative consequences. You know, the, um, in the, uh, the book of Proverbs, there's a lot to be said about laziness, okay? There's, uh, there are very, various negative consequences to laziness that bring about a negative situation. So what we see here is that these fools, because of their transgressions and their inequities, it has brought about affliction on themselves. It is a consequence of the sin in and of itself that brought about this affliction upon them. Their soul, they abhorred all manner of food. 
And they drew near to the gates of death. But even when we make our own bed and we sleep in it, we can still come to verse 19. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. He sent his word, and he healed them, and he delivered them from their destructions. He sent his very word. By the very word of the lips of God, they were healed from their afflictions. They were healed because of it. And he delivered them from their destructions. And this lady here obviously has a testimony of such a deliverance. We can see the before and the after effects. There's no question that this young lady would have continued on the route that she was going without coming out of it. Death would have been very, very, um, uh, very soon. And those, those of us who have been around the church very long, we have heard the testimonies over and over and over and over again how, how, how God has delivered people from death, literally. Because whenever God came into their lives, they, they surrendered their lives to Christ, their life turned around and their life changed and went into a new direction. And it's almost like a completely different person. Actually, in fact, it is a completely different person. The person before was dead. This person is now alive in Christ. And so, yes, God is good. God is merciful. Repeat after me. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endures forever. Absolutely. So we continue to give thanks. In verse 21... Staying on this topic here, it says, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. And uh, it, it, it does seem those who have experienced such things as this, where God has delivered the disease from the death, those are the ones that tend to be the most rejoicing about the deliverance. Those who have truly experienced the the life-changing effects of the gospel of Jesus in their lives um, seem to be the most joyous people. All right, next, starting in verse 23. This will be the last point of our message this morning. He delivers the stressed from their surroundings. And so far we've had wanderers in the wilderness, those who seem to be walking around aimlessly that need direction that comes from God. God is the one who's ultimately the best source of direction because he's the one who's got the bird's eye view, who can see everything and he knows where he wants to take you. That's how he can bring the wandering out of the wilderness. Secondly, we saw those rebellious who were in bondage. He can set you free if you'll just turn back to him and then and um, even though it's out of our rebellion, God's corrective hand is upon us. But also we've lived our lives in such a ways that we see in this, in this third reason where, where we see that the, uh, that the disease were, were delivered out of death because of, they were suffering affliction because of their own sinful behavior and its negative consequences. Now we come to a different situation. We see the wanderer may have been looking in the world for answers. We see the rebellious who were intentionally going against God's will and suffering the hand of God's judgment. And then the third, again, we see sinful behavior, but it also has its own natural consequences. But this is something different in this passage here in verse 23. It says, those who go down to the sea in ships who do business on great waters, speaking of sailors and ships and captains and crews, 
who are just going about their normal day of work. This is how they're making a living. It says, they see the works of the Lord and His wonders in the deep. Now, there's no question about it, so they get to see some of the most beautiful things and probably some of the most terrifying things on the open waters. If you can read some of the, the captain's journals over the last few hundred years, they have seen some things that are quite um, undescribable. <laughs> All right, they probably see some things that nobody else sees out there. So they, there's, there's no question that they see the wonders in the deep. In verse 25, it says, for he commands and raises the stormy wind. God does. God commands and raises the stormy wind, which lifts up the waves of the sea. They mount up on the heavens, and they go down again into the depths. Their soul melts because of trouble, speaking of who? The people on the ship who are doing business on the water. They reel to and fro, and they stagger like a drunken man, and they are at their wit's end. Now we have a situation that it doesn't seem to be any, uh, as a result of any sinful behavior on their own. This is not like Jonah who is running from the Lord and getting on a boat and then God causes a wind to come in order to direct Jonah back to Nineveh. We just see men who are doing their day-to-day -day work on the sea and all of a sudden they, are in, they find themselves in the stormy wind and waves that are going back and forth. They can't maintain control of what's going on. They're going to and fro like a drunk person and they're at their wit's end, and they don't have any hope out there in the water on their own. Now, there's circumstances and situations that come up on our lives that are not a result of God's judgment, and it's not the result of natural consequences of our own sin. We just find ourselves being surrounded or being affected by, this, the, by, the, um, by the situations around us. Right? Sometimes you can be the victim of something that you didn't even cause. A lot of these things can be like natural disasters. You know, we suffered through um, Hurricane Katrina when we lived in South Louisiana. It came, it was devastating. I mean, it was a really terrible thing. Now, I don't think it was any sin on my own that I caused Hurricane Katrina. I'm not going to try to take personal responsibility for it. But however, I was, I was affected negatively from the natural disaster. It was tough to deal with that. Now, I was able to get my family safely to Shreveport, but then I was activated in the National Guard to go down to New Orleans for a couple of months after that. But however, it's a natural disaster. It was nothing that I could have done to stop it, or I think it was coming regardless of what I did. Sometimes in accidents, you know, things that happen, you know, we're not motivated to cause the trouble, but even car accidents, accidents of stubbing our toe, or it could be something as minor as that. But however, we are affected negatively, it's not necessarily sinful behavior on our part that brings about that trouble. There's various tragedies that are not tied, to direct, not tied directly to our sinful behavior. Yes, I understand we suffer tragedies because sin is in the world, but it's not necessarily a direct result of our sin as what we talked about just before. But however, we can suffer these different kinds of situations. I think that's what we see the sailor, sailors here. They're just do, going about their normal business, and a storm comes, and it, and it hits them. And they don't know what to do about it. They find themselves in a very, very troubling situation. But for whatever reason, I mean, we can look back at some of these natural disasters and some of these accidents, and sometimes they can be testimonies of how God has been there the entire time. 
You know, whenever we look, at, look back at the natural disaster in Hurricane Katrina, but I have personal experience with that, God's people were ignited because what they did is they saw an opportunity to go down and serve, and churches were coming together, giving away food, setting up shelters, serving people, preaching the gospel to those people who were, um, who were down there and affected by it. It gave them an opportunity to, to go and, and, uh, and fulfill the Great Commission. It gave them an opportunity to do so. Accidents can can uh, have a tendency to kind of wake us up to reality, to who God is and what we really need to do in this world. For those of us who have experienced or had near-death experiences, have an understanding of what that can truly do to your mentality and the way that you think. You start thinking about what's truly important as opposed to these other minuscule things. As a way of waking us up and bringing us back to uh, the understanding that God is there and that this is, who, this is who God is, and I need to make sure that I am right with Him. If I'm right with Him in salvation, I need to be right with Him in my service, because that's what really matters. I could have just died. And th- we think about these things. And the Sunday after 9-11, they're probably, the, the, the churches were packed full. Do y'all remember? Do y'all remember? I mean, it seemed like the entire country was turned and asking God, what do we do now? during a time of a horrific tragedy that our country suffered and a horrible loss that we suffered. Now, I don't believe that God's hand directed those pilots into that building. I don't think that was, I think it was a very evil thing that was not, that was not um, decreed by God. But however, it was a way to get us to wake up and to see that, this, that life and death is a real and true thing. But, what, but, what, but what, could, what, what can happen or what should happen whenever we find ourselves affected by these circumstances that don't seem to be tied directly to our behavior? Well, we do what these sailors did in verse 28. It says, then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brings them out of their distresses. So we find ourselves negatively impacted by the world around us we still cry out to God in our trouble. In verse 29, it says, he calms the storm. He's the one who makes the storm, right? He's the one who's in control of everything. He he calms the storm so that the waves are still. Then they are glad because they are quiet. And so he guides them to their desired haven. God can calm the storm. Even if he doesn't choose to calm it in that way, We can still cry out to him, and he can still get us to where he desires us to be. So he calms the storm in that. So he delivers the stressed from their surroundings. Verse 31, Oh, oh, that man would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness. And for his wonderful works to the children of men, let them exalt him also in the assembly of the people and praise him in the company of his elders. You know, as we've kind of gone through the, the psalm here in these four different illustrations and demonstrations of God's goodness, if you continue to read throughout the psalm, verses 33 through 38, it just shows God's dominion over nature and how he is still in control. As we see verses 39 through 42, that God is over all people, not only just the natural world, but also all people. In verse 33, he wraps up the psalm with this. Whoever is wise will observe these things. 
Whoever is wise will take hold to what has been said here. Verse, verse 43, it says, and they will understand the loving kindness of the Lord. Whenever we see that we, the redeemed of God, we have so much for which we can be thankful. Go ahead and go to the next slide, please. We have so much for which we can be thankful. He's redeemed us through repentance. He continues to restore us through repentance. He heals our bodies through repentance, and he protects us when we cry out to him. We have seen that he delivers the wanderers from the wilderness, the backslidden from bondage, and the diseased from death, and the distressed from our surroundings. Is God good? Yeah. Is he merciful? Absolutely. Repeat after me. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his mercy endures forever. Let's stand. Let's prepare for an invitation this morning. Father, we just thank you for who you are today. God, we praise you for who you are. God, we thank you, thankful that you are the one who can bring the wilderness from the wilderness, the backslidden from bondage. God, you can heal the diseased and calm our anxieties. And Father, I pray that uh, all of us here, may, we may not all have the material things the, as the same as everyone else, Father. We may see that we may, we may observe our lives as something little, but God, but we have so much to be thankful for. Father, you have delivered us. Father, you have saved us. And Father, you continue to sustain us throughout this life, Father. Father, you have prepared a home for us that we will come to one day. Father, may our hearts and our minds focus on the things that you have done and that you will for sure do. And let's be thankful to you. God, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.